Hello, everyone, and welcome to a sixth episode of Ballers Paradise Podcast. I am your host, Alex Arbogatz. Glad to be back with you today to record this sixth episode. I am joined today by my co-host, Matt Gilbert. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys will enjoy the show today, but let's get into what we have to do today. As it may be short one, it may not be, who knows, but let's figure out what's going on in the National Basketball Association news-wise. So let's start talking about more Marco Fultz. Obviously, he's been in the news a lot just because of the shoulder injury, but we got more information from Adrian Wojnarowski this week, actually, that Marco Fultz has been diagnosed with a neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome, and that is something that affects the nerves between your neck and your shoulder. Reports say that Fultz will be out for three to six weeks, potentially, depending on the severity of this uh, nerve damage. He will also be starting physical uh, training, uh, physical therapy, pardon me, to attempt to get his shoulder back to 100% and percentage and repair the damage done to the nerves. There was no indication of surgery for Fultz in this, but uh, Mac, what are your thoughts on this news? So now we see that it's not a mental issue. It is now definitely confirmed to be a physical issue. You know, I really did think this was a mental issue. Um, now knowing that it's a physical issue, this is something that doesn't kind of really doesn't surprise me in the end because, you no, know, I mean, Markel Fultz got hurt pretty quick. He missed the majority of last year. However, this guy in college was a very good shooter. And the very little he's played, he hasn't shown much with his shooting. And it's pretty much because of this injury so we're hoping this surgery that he has ends up being successful but if not then I think this guy could end up being a disappointment just because of his injury and it would be a shame because he could have been one heck of a player you know I'm really happy that this news did come out because now we can stop speculating whether or not this was a mental issue or a physical issue and now we can definitely confirm that it is physical it was. I personally think it was really interesting to see that no one was able to identify what Fultz's injury was because that had been going on since since last year recently just because of no one knowing what it was. And now he's finally seen a specialist in New York City, and now it has been confirmed that it is not something that was really bone or muscle damage. It was more nerve damage. I'm, I'm finally happy to see that it is that the source of the pain for Fultz has, has been identified and everything. Um, I'm hoping that he does make a, a good recovery from this. I don't know how nerve damage is and everything because I've never experienced that. I, I'm honestly just happy to hear that this has finally been resolved as to what it particularly is. I definitely think that he could potentially turn back into himself, his former number one pick, and that's what I'm going to ask you, Mac. Will this physical therapy help him return to the form of the number one pick? That, that got him the number one pick in the draft the other year, in the 2017 draft. I don't, I don't know. I think only time will tell with this. I really just don't. You see a lot of these surgeries end up working out well for people, but you also see a lot of them end up being a failure. So Well, he's can, not having surgery. He's just doing physical therapy. Oh, then yes, I do think this might help, and I do think physical ther therapy might make him become that number one pick in the draft. I mean, I don't know if he'll ever be as good as he could have been without the therapy or without this injury. However, he definitely needs help. I mean, we always knew something was wrong. Now we know what it is. But I still think this guy could be a very good player if he can 
overcome this injury. I really do. Well, remember, this guy's only 21 Fultzes. He's only 21 years old. He's only been in the league now his second year right now, and to see him already have to go through this is just something you don't see every day. I would probably, to me, this is just really odd. And now that we know what it actually is, you know, like I've said before, I don't know how many times it's gratifying to see that. I do think he could, excuse me, return to his number one pick days. It just depends on how fast that this nerve damage heals. I think that's going to be the biggest thing is how good this physical therapy will do with this damage because this is what is affecting his shooting. Other than that, he's a solid player right now. But he was not a bad shooter coming out of Washington. and I No, think, he wasn't. And I think that if the shoulder... Uh, if the shoulder ner- if this nerve damage makes him able to shoot again, I think he's going to be in the number one pick form like he was when he entered the NBA draft in 2017. Whether or not he will be playing for the 76ers or not, which is very doubtful right now, I think he's going to have a very solid career. I don't know if he's going to be a star like he was projected to be, but I think he'll have a very good career. So let's move on to the second part of today's show, and that is the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls have fired their head coach, Fred Hoiberg, Monday morning as as the Bulls have started off to a 5-19 and record this season so far. In the three-plus seasons that Hoiberg was the Bulls head coach, they made it to the playoffs twice, and his best record with the team was 42 wins and 40 losses in his first year in the NBA, and that was the 2015-2016 NBA season that had... Uh, former Bulls head coach, current Minnesota Timberwolves head coach, Tom Thibodeau, got fired. Uh, of course, we all remember Thibodeau as a fantastic coach with the Bulls there with a cornerstone MVP, Derrick Rose. He was, those teams were great. But Jim Boylan, who had, who was the head assistant coach for the Bulls at the time, will now be taking over head coaching duties for the remainder of the season. Uh, it was reported yesterday, actually, that some executives in the NBA are blaming the Bulls management being uh, former NBA player John Paxson and I believe the GM Al Gore blaming them because the teams is quoted to be seems like they turn on their coaches pretty quickly end quote. Mac, do you believe that it was time for the Bulls to let go of Hoiberg? Was it this after three seasons going five and nineteen? Yes. I know the Bulls had don't really have that much talent on their team, but think about it. In three years, he's had three years kind of to get the team going a little bit. That first year he still had Jimmy Butler. They didn't even make the and they had Dwayne Wade. They didn't even make the playoffs that first year. Yes, I can understand that that was his first year and second year um losing both a Dwayne Wade and a Jimmy Butler really hurt the team. This year going 5 and 19, when you have a bad season as a coach, your goal is to try and make the team better. This guy seems like Everything's getting worse, so yes, in that case, I think it was time for him to go. See, I really don't know if it was really time for him to go. You know, he did make the playoffs two years, his first two years in the, in the league, and then they tanked last year and get, got Wendell Carter Jr., who's been doing pretty solid for them this year, I, I must say. And then now they fire him with a 5-19 and record. Remember, the Bulls have not been healthy this year. They've had arguably their best player out for the whole for. For the whole year until their game against Houston the other night. That was Lowry marketing and he came off the bench in that game. So I really can't blame Hoiberg for their failure in the NBA so soon. Just because they were not 
up to par with how management wanted it to be. But I, I like I said, I just can't blame him because they weren't healthy. Like they were missing their best player. They had decent scoring with Levine going. You know, they had the corporate missing pieces with uh all the new pieces with Jabari Parker being the biggest acquisition, Wendell Carter Jr. coming in. Excuse me. So it's it's gonna be an interesting season for the Bulls. I really like what they're doing up there in Chicago, especially with the young talents and the great athleticism of Levine and how this lineup could really work. My only thing is is that, you know, I heard uh, this being brought up uh, around the organization of the Bulls, and I don't, and Mac, I want your take on this. It was uh, when Hoiberg brought Larry Markin off the bench that game, and then after he was fired, the press asked Jim Boylan about Larry Markin, and he said, yes, he's starting right away. So do you think that was another factor that led to Hoiberg being fired was was having Larry Markin coming off the bench in his first game this season? Hmm. I, I, I really don't know if that was um the smart move, smartest move or not. Um, You said they let Lowry Markkinen start? Or um, they let him come off the bench? No, they let him come off. Hoiberg let him come off the bench in that game to, I guess, ease him in because it was his first game back. And then once Hoiberg was fired, they asked Jim Bolton, hey, what are you going to do with Markin going forward? And he said, okay, we're definitely starting him now. So do you think that could have been – like the last straw for for Al Gore saying he's our best player. I know he just got off injury, but he needs to start. Do you think that was maybe maybe the thing that kind of triggered his firing by any means? You know, it might have been, but yeah, you know, I I kind of agree. It 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 was, and it really shouldn't have been. You do not let a guy. I mean, like if it's a LeBron James, yes, you let him go on the bench for one game. But this this guy is. Someone who is new to the league, you kind of need to. Um, he's an up and coming player, he's not a superstar yet. He has potential to be well, he has potential to be an all star. I wouldn't say superstar, but this guy, I mean, young guys like this, like when they come back from an injury, you need to rest them every now and then, like you need to rest them for at least a week, like have them come off the bench before you put them back into that starting lineup and put that kind of pressure on them. I mean, I know this is a young guy. I know Markadon probably leads, is the best player on the Chicago Bulls, but still, a young guy like this, you need to have him coming off the bench for at least a week. See, I see. we don't know the severity of the injury. I know he was out six to eight weeks with his, I believe, his elbow strain, if I'm not exactly. mistaken. Exactly. So when a young player like that is all out that long, you need to rest him for at least a week or have him come off the bench before you bring him back. You see, I don't really agree with that because, like I, I like I just said, we don't know the severity of the injury. It could have been way worse than the six to eight weeks, and he could have started that game. He potentially could have started that game, and he came off the bench. Maybe he was ready to start, and Hoiberg said, no, I want to bring you off the bench. Again, we don't know that. We can't really spec. We can't really speculate to say, okay, yeah, because he's young and he needs a long and he needs the longevity of his career. He needs to come off the bench. I really don't see that being a priority. Being that he's only twenty one, I would I would rather see him start. And if the injury's bothering him a little bit, then yes, I'll take him out. But I think he needs. I like what um, you're thinking though with the longevity. What uh, you said about just just what you said 
and that's um, extending his career a little bit. You know, if they're going to do that, I think they put him on a minutes restriction for this first game. That probably would have been a little bit better because maybe he was ready to start and then Horberg's like, okay, let's manage your minutes a little bit, only make it play about 20, 25 because you're just coming off of injury. That I could understand. But the benching, I guess, might have been the final straw for uh, Al Gore and John Paxson to let Hoiberg go. Remember, this this guy was coaching at Iowa State. He did a phenomenal job with the Cyclones there at Iowa State. And then now he's unemployed uh, after being after coaching the Bulls for three-plus years. Now he's leaving with about $8 million left on his contract, or at least $8 million paid on his contract, if I'm not mistaken. Um so that's a nice little Christmas present for him to go home and celebrate with the family for the holidays. But do I think this was a great time? No, just because, you know, playoffs the first two years, the tanking sort of of last year where they got, you know, Wendell Carter, and then this year where they've been struggling being unhealthy. So I really don't think this was good. I think they should have let him finish out the year at least, just so not only just because of, his contract and stuff, but it just wasn't a healthy Bulls team, and you can't really pin that on Hoiberg because of their failure. They're they're young, they're talented, but they're not. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess up and up and coming as a potential threat in the NBA. They're not at that point yet. They're still young and developing, and like I said, they're unhealthy. They were very unhealthy. Injury-wise, but Matt, who should replace Hoiberg in Chicago? You know, we've thrown out the typical names. Michael McHale, uh, excuse me, Kevin McHale, uh, Mark Jackson, even Tyron Lue is now a name potentially. Anybody now, really. Uh, but those are the main three that come to my mind immediately for a head coaching job for the Chicago Bulls. So who do you think should take over for the Bulls now that Hoiberg uh, is gone? Okay, um... I'm gonna hire Ty Lu, hire Ty Lu, hire Ty Lu. That's actually a lie right there. He was never a coach, as we have just one of our followers actually just announced that LeBron was actually the coach when he was in Cleveland. La coach. Now what else is new? Um honestly, like come on. Okay, um but no, I think it should either be Mark Jackson or Kevin McHale. I mean Personally, Mark Jackson, because Kevin McHale was a great player, and he wasn't a bad coach for um, Houston, but I think Mark Jackson actually kind of developed himself as a coach, where I think Kevin McHale is more of a name than anything, if you ask me. He's known because he's Kevin McHale, the guy who played alongside Larry Bird. Not saying he's a bad coach, but I think Mark Jackson would be a better coach for the Chicago Bulls. Simple. You know... I I really don't agree with what you say about McHale just because of his name. This guy took the Rockets to the playoffs in two to three years, like Hoiberg did, uh, to the playoffs in the three years he was coaching with Houston. Those first four games where Harden and Howard obviously did not get along with McHale led to his firing, of course, which, again, at that time I didn't agree with at all by any means. It was their fault that they didn't come into practice and training camp physically fit like that was the rumor coming out of that uh report was that after McKill was fired it was reported that both Harden and Howard were not physically fit coming in the training camp and 
that's definitely, I guess, one thing that Daryl Morey didn't really pay attention to when looking at firing McHale, and that was the health of the, of their players. Now that's potentially one thing, and that's why they got blown out by 40 points twice in the first four games, which is definitely something you wouldn't see from a from a Houston team of that caliber back then. But who do I think should be hired? Oh, you've got the names Tyron Lue, Mark Jackson, Kevin McHale. I think Kevin McHale deserves another shot at coaching. I'm going to say McHale. Okay. Because you know one of those two guys is going to get a coaching job in the NBA. Just like, don't you know say that. Ty Lue. That's the only thing you can't say is Ty Lue. He's either Cleveland homer. He's a, oh my mistake is it Cleveland or is it, or is it the Lakers? <laughs> I, can't I can't tell if it's the Cleveland or the Lakers now. Oh oh my oh my god oh my god it's it's tough to say Pro- probably the Lakers because LeBron James has always been my favorite player but uh, I I am still a diehard Cleveland fan but I can I call myself even more of a LeBron James fan. Ladies and gentlemen, boo this man. <laughs> but anyway. I don't hear anyone booing me. They will when they listen to this. No, they won't. You don't know that. No, they won't. You don't know that. I know that they won't. Yeah, okay. But anyway, let's go back to what you we were talking about. I, I just think Kevin McHugh deserves another shot in the NBA. Like, he was a great coach. He was a phenomenal coach for that matter. I thought that... He was treated wrong in Houston there with Daryl Morey. He's a very, very smart guy. I know, yes, he was playing alongside Larry Bird. Yes, he was a general manager that drafted Kevin Garnett. Yes, I know he's a coach of Houston Rockets. I already know this stuff. You don't have to tell me. I'm almost he like He was a the general manager that drafted Kevin Garnett? Yes, he drafted KG in Minnesota. Yeah. What? You didn't know that? I did not. I, I, I literally did. Did not know that until you just told me. Yeah, he drafted KG in Minnesota. Wow. Yeah. You know, like I said, you don't have to tell me I'm basically a walking NBA encyclopedia. But he's smart. He knows what he's doing offensively and defensively. I really like the pace and the tempo he plays with. He's Again, he's not the best defensive coach. He's definitely... Uh, improving in that area, you know, obviously being an analyst with TNT right now and NBA TV, he does a phenomenal job with everything there. Major props to him for doing what he does. I really, I would really love to meet Kevin McHale personally. I think he's one of those guys that's really down the earth, loves to crack jokes, super cool guy, really nonchalant. Kind of like me. Again, is this about you? No. So, shh. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, I think he'd be a great fit for Chicago. They're young. I really think he could lead them to at least the playoffs within the first two years. I think if, if management does something right for once, because I really thought it was interesting that management or NBA, other NBA executives are saying how fast they do turn, turn coaches and get and turn against them, excuse me, against them, because it is true. If you've looked at in recent years, he only coached uh, Vinny Del Negro. He only coached two years with the Bulls, two or three, if I'm not mistaken, and then he was like, oh, Tom Thibodeau, that was about, what, five years with the Bulls, and then he was like, oh, for Hoiberg, he's only coached three years in the NBA, and now he's let go. It's really, it's really interesting to see a management like this just absolutely turn on their play and turn on their coaches. I don't think I've ever seen a more dysfunctional organization other than, of course, the Cleveland Browns, but... 
it's interesting to see how fast the team can turn against their coaches because I understand the normal five to six years of keeping someone after all the success. Yes, I, I totally get that 100%. But the way that this coaching carousel in Chicago is gone, it's kind of turning people away. It's almost like Cleveland, basically. You know, the team's so terrible and how bad management has been. Uh, with the Cavs, you know, lawsuit and everything else, players turning against each other. I don't think I need to reiterate, but it's all over the news. It's it's similar in the way that no one really wants to go there just because they don't know what's going to happen. And that's a scary thing for coaches. You know, if they do a bad job, obviously, yeah, there's going to be some repercussions, whether it's lost a job or whatever the case may be. I just don't see how how a team how a man how the management team in Chicago can turn on their on their coaches like that you know it's it's so to me it's so dysfunctional and I don't like that but I will say Kevin McHale will be a great candidate for the Chicago Bulls and their new team let's talk about Son Whiteside this was really interesting I saw this all over social media today uh and if we, and if we have time we might actually talk about Kyle Lowry's uh, comments with Rachel Nichols in their recent interview up in the, up in the T dot, but Hassan, excuse me, Hassan Whiteside left the fourth quarter. Uh, excuse me, not that that out. Hassan Whiteside left last night's game against the Orlando Magic with 40 seconds left to go in the fourth quarter of that game because he got benched at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and he just decides, so hey, I'm gonna leave and shower and get ready for the media. I guess I don't really know what he was thinking. But they interviewed Eric Spolstra about it, obviously. And Spolstra uh, said today that the move by Whiteside was, quote, unacceptable behavior, end quote, and it was handled handled eternal, internally. Uh, so, Mac, what do you make of this? You know, this is kind of interesting to see a player just get up and walk away from an NBA game while it's still going just because he got bench and remember white sides has has had immaturity problems like this recently you know this is immature all i can say about this issue is it's immature i mean it's immature it's unprofessional and personally i think eric spolstra should have done more than come out and say this is unacceptable behavior i think for doing that in the nba when you represent when you, you when you're a player in the NBA, you represent the best league for basketball in the country, maybe even the world. So, you can't really do this. And like I said before, I think Eric Spolstra was too nice. I think he should have at least suspended him for two or three games for his poor behavior. I do agree with the suspension. You know, I I definitely think this is very unacceptable behavior. I really don't know what they settled on internally maybe if we find out more information uh maybe we'll get a better view of this it it basically it was childish to say the least it was it was extremely childish i just not even another word to describe it It was childish you know he's had so many immaturity problems in the past especially recently like last year with his beef with joel Embiid. maybe he could have easily been the bigger man and pushed that to the side but no he just has to add fuel to the fire. And ever ever since he said what he said, Joel Embiid has absolutely dominated him. He has, Hassan Whiteside has not been a factor in any of the games that Philadelphia has played uh, Miami. 
in any of those games. He's just been a non-factor because he gets shut out, whether it's early foul calls, lack of production, men, you know, the lack of mental um, sharpness on the on the court. He's just not there in those games. And I don't know what, and I don't understand why he would leave after getting benched in the fourth quarter. He He's not, he's just immature with that. And that's one thing I don't, this, this guy got paid a max contract a couple of years ago. He's in his third year of that max contract, and if you can't act your age, then why are you even in the professional sports league? There's a reason why they call it a professional sports league for a reason, and that's because they're supposed to act professional. If you get benched, it's because that, of your play. That uh, That is basically grade school behavior right there. Yeah, simply because well, I've never I mean, seen this, but... Uh, think about it. That, that's like what... That's what... Kids do in grade school, and their parents or their coaches yell at them for it. And I haven't even seen it done there, but that's just something that is should be unaccepted at the professional level. It is very unacceptable at the professional level. I really think that we should know a little bit more of what happened internally, potentially, I guess. I don't know what was really said. Of course, this will eventually come out who knows when, but... I like that they're handling this internally and not blasting it throughout the media to give either the Heat or Whiteside a negative look to them. I really think that Hassan Whiteside should, should be fined to at least 25000 from the Heat themselves for doing that. And he should be suspended a minimum of five games. I'm not even going to go two or three. I'm going to go five because of the immaturity there. You don't, you don't get up and walk away from an NBA game. A fan can do that. But if you're the star player on the Miami Heat and you get benched and you get so upset, you go into the locker room and shower because you're so upset at you getting benched for your play, that's not going to cut it. Honestly, that is just not going to cut it. And I really think that he should have thought that out and just sat it out and waited. And if he had a problem with Spolstra benching him, you handle it like a real man and say, hey, why did you bench me? You know, I thought I was playing great. I thought I was doing good, but why'd you bench me? That's just a simple one-on-one coach-to-player, man-to-man conversation. That's all that there needs to be done. You know, you talk to him after the after the game the next day and say, "Hey, why'd you do that?" and then not make a big fuss about it. That's exactly. Basically you, you, it. you make a good point there, and I agree with you on that one. You, you, there's mature ways to handle these situations, like going up and talking to your coach. Like, if I ever had a problem with my coach whenever I did, I think I had maybe, like, one problem with one of my coaches back in the day. That was when I think I actually got benched, and I was doing pretty well at the time, and I got benched, and then he subbed me back in within five minutes left, and we're down 10 when we were up by 10. So it was a 20-point swing. Luckily, I got the team back and won the game. Not trying to be, you know, arrogant, but I'm just trying to paint the picture for you. So the next practice I have, I go to my coach and I ask him, hey, why'd you bench me for that? And he's like, you didn't look like you were mentally out there. So I thought I would pull you from the game a little bit, even though we got down and you brought us back. I'm very happy for that. But I really thought you weren't there mentally. And that's why I pulled you. And I said, you know what? I understand that completely. Yes, I don't agree with it. But I do understand where you're coming from, and I appreciate you telling me that. That's something that a lot of players don't really do, no matter who it is. It's not just the Sun White side. We've seen that in the past with other players that have not maturely handled the situation. 
it's just not it's just not right to handle handle a situation immaturely. You need to go and be a bigger man. Do it. That's enough of that. Let's talk some underrated basketball. Uh, just because you know, come on, we got to talk about the underrated people. So, Mac, who do you think, player-wise, is who do you think has been the most underrated player so far this season that deserves some love? Uh, this is tough. Um, either Wendell Carter Jr. or I'm trying to think of another good one. I uh, know I think he's kind of overrated. I'm sa- saving it for my overrated. Um, I don't. I, I don't know who else to say. I think Wendell Carter Jr. might be up there. I also think that, let me think, do, 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 do. Hassan Whiteside's not in there. Um, this is a tough one. Maybe even Colin Sexton's been on and off, So, but I'm going to probably go with Wendell Carter Jr. as the most underrated just because he's playing in Chicago. They're struggling right now. He's not really getting the appreciation he deserves. And another one I'll actually say is not having that bad of a season, Tristan Thompson. He's stepping it up a little bit, being a little bit like the old Tristan since LeBron's gone. I've seen the stats that he's leading the Cavs in points almost every night now, and he's doing well in rebounds. So I'm going to go with – I'm still go with Wendell Carter, though, for most underrated. Yeah, Wendell Carter Jr. is not doing bad with Chicago. Granted, being a rookie, you really can't say un- underrated, but maybe you can make the case for it because he's at least being consistent with his numbers. So I'll take that. But Jaron Jackson Jr. is another guy. You know, he's a rookie, but he's been doing really well for Memphis. Oh, the guy, yeah, I was going to say the guy for the, the Grizzlies. Yeah, he's been doing phenomenal for the he Grizzlies. He hasn't gotten the appreciation he deserved. And I think these guys are kind of a little bit in the shadow of the three people who you mentioned would get rookie of the year, and that's DeAndre Ayton, Luka Doncic, and Trey Young. I think it's going to come down to those three. Mm-hmm. Personally, if you ask me today, I think Doncic would win it. I really do. Yes, I think he would as well. Um, my underrated player, I actually just had it in my head and now it just like poofed, vanished. Uh, it's not Damian Lillard. I can tell you that right now. Oh, I know who it is. It's Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry's been really good for Toronto. He's been putting MVP Steve Nash numbers up, but he's not getting the credit that he deserves on that Toronto team. Remember, Toronto's the best in the East. What I believe is 16 and eight record i think don't quote me on it but i think that might be what it is but they are playing phenomenal basketball obviously nick nurse is doing phenomenal with that team Kawhi's been the Kawhi of old recently too which helps out a lot and lowry's just not getting that credit and we always hear about Kawhi. we always hear about pascal siakam we hear about danny green serge Ibaka, valanchunas you, you know the list goes on and on but we really don't hear about Lowry, and Lowry was recently interviewed by Rachel Nichols, and we might potentially get to that if we have time today. But I really like the fact that Lowry's been producing the same numbers almost, except he's averaging 11 assists per game and about 18 points per game. Yes, the numbers are down in points, and I think maybe even field goal percentage and three-point percentage as well, but he's still performing at a good enough rate to where he's not getting the credit that he deserves. And I rightfully think that he should be getting that just because he knows what he's doing. He's been playing phenomenal basketball for the Raptors this year, and he's been doing really well. So instead of player, Mac, which team do you think has been the most underrated this season? I'm going to go with, uh, here we go. Okay, I'm going to say it. The Los Angeles uh, I I, I want to say overrated. And I want to say underrated at the same time, but 
I'm probably gonna go with the Clippers for most underrated. Yeah. Because they're not getting that re- really that appreciation that they deserve. Because for a while they were the best team in the Western Conference, and they're still um, doing very well. They're still the um, best team in the West right now. We're almost two months into the season, and this team is still one of the best teams in the West. And they have no superstars. So I'm going to say the Clippers are the most underrated team. Um, and second would be the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, okay, they're not really necessarily underrated, but... Alex Arbogast over here doesn't like them, and he is going to learn, if it kills me, if it kills me, he is going to learn to give LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers the appreciation they deserve. You're going to call me out on my own show? Hey, this is our show. The the podcast is ours. Okay, listen here, Laker boy. If you're going to call me out on my own show, you better be able to back your crap up. Otherwise, I'm not going to take this. First of all, you you say you're a Cleveland fan, and then you say earlier in my in in the show, "Hey, I love LeBron James." Pick a side. You gotta pick a side here. If you're gonna be a, a right now, you are a Lakers Cavs homeboy. Is what you are. You are just just going back and forth because no matter if it's LeBron, if it's the Cavs, you're always like, "Oh, my hometown Cavs, they're so good." And all this other stuff. And then you're like, oh, the Lakers, they got LeBron James. Yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be fantastic. They got this guy. He's going to do well. Bull crap. I, okay, LeBron James. I do not hate LeBron James. I'm just keeping it realistic. Everyone who knows me knows me. I keep everything realistic (laughs) as it is. And whenever I say the Lakers are not making the playoffs, I mean the Los Angeles Lakers are not making the playoffs. If if you cannot think about it logically just because they have one guy on the team, one guy. Remember, last year, they were in something called the Eastern Conference. That was a joke. They? Yeah. Who's they? they? The Cavs were in the Eastern Conference. That's how he got in for eight straight finals appearances. We're talking a different animal, a different beast with the Western Conference. You have Golden State, Oklahoma City. I know Houston and Utah are struggling right now, but you got the Clippers doing well. You got Pelicans doing halfway decent. You have so many other teams. You even got Dallas and Sacramento doing great as well. And you're going to tell me a team with just one player is going to make a difference getting into the Western Conference playoffs. You're going to tell me that? This is not like 2007. I didn't say that he's not going to get into the finals by saying LeBron James is that good of a player. He will take this team to the playoffs because think about if they haven't crashed and burned yet, they're not going to crash and burn as the season goes on. You say that now, but look at every single team LeBron's been on. In the in the most recent years, we went to Miami. They struggled when they went to Cleveland again. In the beginning of the yeah, year, that's what at I'm this saying. time of year, if they haven't struggled yet, they're not going to. As the year goes on, that's what I'm saying. Mac, there's there's like fifteen and like nine. Fifteen and nine. That is not bad okay, for a LeBron okay. James team in his first year. Okay, I shouldn't say that because they. De- I know they have double digit losses. You now you're just saying that just to make up no, excuses I'm to, too. Oh, bull crap! I don't want to hear that come out of your mouth. <laughs> oh my god! You're, 
LeBron James and the Lakers are going to the playoffs this year. Right, I'm, foreclos- okay, okay. I'm foreclosing on that one. No, no, you're not. What makes you think that they're going to make the playoffs? What makes you think they're going to make This is it? a young, up-and-coming team. They're going to get better as That's the year goes point. on. That's my they're point. going to young. get better as the year goes on. They're already in contest contest it now as the year goes on they're just gonna get better it's simple and they got the almighty king on the queen queen they got the queen (laughs) he's the king he's He's the queen okay and the first word that you said in that comment was young that is the reason why they will not make it they are young kyle kuzma second year in the league lonzo ball second year in the league and brandon ingram third year in the league those are their four best players lebron's 34 yes i get that but you got their three best players that are have only been in the league a maximum of three years. And you're going to tell me this team makes it to the playoffs? What in the world are you thinking? Honestly, this Brandon Ingram was supposed to be the next Kevin Durant, and he's only averaging 15.6 points per game. They play the Spurs tonight. They play the Spurs again on, on Friday. Both those games are going to be a loss because they've lost the Spurs both times this year already. And plus when Christmas Day gets going, your schedule gets a lot, lot tougher. They go from from Golden State to Sacramento to play to play the Kings and they play the Clippers then back to Sacramento then they go to New York and play the Knicks which will probably be a win but then they still have yet to play OKC they have yet to play Houston again they've yet to play Denver again and Denver absolutely creamed them in Denver may I remind you by loss of 32 you cannot tell me that this Lakers team is going to beat a Denver team or an OKC or a Houston or a Utah Jazz team or even a Golden State team for goodness sakes, that Christmas game is going to be a blowout by 30, by halftime. They're playing Golden State on Christmas? Yes, in Golden State, on Christmas. So you're going to tell me that the Lakers are going to win that game? The Cavs. I'm not are- saying they're going to, but I'm saying you never count the king out. The Cavs last year had a better chance to beat Golden State than this year's Lakers team. You want to know why? Because Jake Crowder is a defensive monster. He was a big X factor in that game. Huge. Absolutely huge in that game. And you're going to tell me... That this Lakers team can take down the Warriors. I don't know what the heck you are thinking in that regard. I I didn't did I did I say they couldn't? No, but I'm just saying in case someone wants to say that. I'm like, what are you thinking? Because Brandon Ingram can't play defense. Lonzo Ball plays like moderate defense. Okay. Kuzma gets beat up in the paint. Like yes, I like no. It's just they can't they can't beat Golden State like it's an easy four zero. Series, it's an easy 0-4 loss. Series to Golden State, probably gonna go two and no, probably three and one against the Clippers now because of how good they look. At Sacramento, they might go two and two now because of how the Kings look. They're probably gonna be Phoenix all four times, so they're gonna be terrible in their division. And that's just their division. That's gonna be over ten losses. They've got like okay. eleven right now. Okay, all I'm saying is I'm not saying they're not doing that, but I'm saying they are going to the playoffs this year. Mac, you are just not... I think we just need to get you to a doctor. <laughs> you're you're not... I, I have listed you on how many facts right now. And you're, yeah, you're, yeah. you're going to deny them. I'm denying because, all of them. Just because of one stinking guy. Yes. One guy. How many times do I have to tell you this is not the East? Okay. That guy's done something that no other... Uh, player in the NBA has done before. Led a team back from being up three game down three games to one in the finals. And that okay, is that is that all you've got? Is that really all that you've got? Has any other player done that before? Has any other player scored eighty one? Has any 
okay, first of all, his finals record is three and five. He left his hometown team in the year 2010 and absolutely destroyed the city of Cleveland's economy, not once, but twice in 14 years. Not 14, seven years. Not even that. I don't know. It's it's like seven or eight years, but anyway. He has destroyed Cleveland's economy. He just cries by every single foul call. I don't I don't understand what you why why people think that just because it is the name LeBron James gets him going, Oh, he's this fantastic guy that can do everything. He can do everything well. He's gonna go to the West and he'll absolutely destroy everyone over in the Western Conference you, with a historical. Do you realize team in the LA Do Lakers. you realize you're one of the very few people who doesn't think the Lakers are going to the playoffs this year? No, I know there are other people that don't think the Lakers are going to the playoffs this year, Mac. Like, I don't know what There there are probably I didn't say there aren't others, but think about the majority of people are on my side here. Yeah, you wanna why? Because they're high on LeBron gas, that's why. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I don't know why why people think that this guy is better than Kevin Durant, for that matter. I don't I don't see that. I I don't see how he's even better than potentially even Kawhi Leonard at times. Honestly, Kawhi just plays great. A man like LeBron James has done a lot to the NBA that people don't don't even notice. Like even earlier this year, tampering with the NBA. Like he did he okay, did that this year. Let that one go. No, let it no, go. No, I'm not letting. Let no, that one go. No, I'm not letting it go because it happened and it was true. The NBA did nothing for that, and he should have gotten a lot of trouble done. Do you think him. he should still be in suspension to this day for that? Yeah. Why wouldn't he be? Are you kidding me? Okay, I okay. I'm a player in the NBA. Does my is my contract going to say I can go kick the GM out of his chair? Take the president of basketball operations out of his chair and say, hey, I'm running the team. I'm calling the shots. I'm going to call the Suns general manager, James Jones, and say, hey, buddy, you need to release Tyson Chandler so I can do great. What are you thinking? Like, seriously. I'm, he, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not arguing about that one. Yeah, because you know I'm right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not. And then, and then, I've argued it so, so many different times with you. I'm not repeating myself on this one. Yeah, because he did the same thing in Cleveland too. May I remind you? I, I'm just not gonna. Re- I'm just. I, I just cannot repeat myself anymore on this. I. Yeah, because I. You and I talk about this every single day. That's not every single day, but it's true too, which is nice. Because I. I mean, uh, I mean, I am sorry, but this one I can literally not talk talk about. And now I'm stuttering. All I can say is. Oh, my goodness. That was a rant and a half right there. We're, we're deleting that whole LeBron thing. No. No, we're not. It's unprofessional, like you said. We were just having fun. I know, but don't eh. We'll talk about that some other day. But, yeah, Lakers are not going to playoffs. I knew, I knew for a fact you were going to talk about the Lakers. I didn't even include it in the script. But, yeah, we somehow talked about the Lakers. Okay, now what we got What do stinking do? What now we talk about overrated? Who in the NBA? Well, do you... I didn't even do mine yet. My goodness, you're skipping me on our own show. <laughs> the most underrated team so far to me is presumably the Clippers, but I'm not gonna go Clippers. But I'm gonna go Grizzlies. They've been doing really okay. well. I don't think anyone really expected Memphis to do so well. I respect this year. that pick. I really don't think Memphis Memphis was projected to be as well as it were this year. I really like the addition of Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he's gonna be a phenomenal star for them. Whenever um, Conley and Gasol leave, I think that they will get a lot of younger pieces, a lot of good young pieces to help that team. 
And heck, they even make it might even make it over to Lakers to the playoffs. Who knows? And maybe they'll even take over my pick for Dallas and be the eighth seed. Who knows? But for all that I know, Lakers ain't going to playoffs. But let's talk about overrated now. So Mac, who do you think is overhyped in this season so far, NBA player wise? Overhyped? In the uh, NBA right now. You're gonna love me for this one. Lonzo Ball. Why? I don't know. I feel like um Okay, look, you okay, you can't say Le, you can't say Lonzo and then say I don't know. You're gonna have reasoning behind that. Come on. LeBron's kinda giving him that hype. I will give you that. LeBron is giving him a little bit of hype. I agree. Saying, Oh, here his time's coming, all that. I mean, rah rah rah. LeBron's definitely the backbone behind the Lakers, but he's acting like Lonzo's his co-star in there. He really isn't. So I'm gonna say Lonzo. So that's why I'm gonna say Lonzo Ball. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say. I don't think anyone else is really overrated this year. Who do you want to say is overhyped? See, that's a hard one. Or maybe Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram's another one. I think Paul and Ingram yeah. are both overhyped. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm trying to think of overhyped player-wise. And if I had to say one player that's overhyped, I'm actually going to go with the guy we talked about earlier. That's on Whiteside. Honestly. The immaturity is the biggest factor with me. Yes, he's been putting up good numbers. But at the same time, it's like media, media mediocre. Exactly. Numbers. Exactly. I mean, this is a guy who um, has done what he did. I would definitely agree he's overhyped. I mean, he's not a bad center, don't get me wrong, but there are better centers in the NBA than Hassan Whiteside. There yeah. really are. Yeah, and he's, don't get me wrong, he's a defensive monster. But the immaturity and the lack of mental sharpness really hinder him from being what he is. And he's a detriment. He's yeah, he is a big detriment. He's a little. He's just overrated in the fact that he's not a scorer. He's just a defensive monster. Like, why can't he be a DeAndre Jordan? Like, he's complaining about getting less touches. He's complaining about getting benched, and he left the game early the other, you know, last night. Like, you can't really do that. So that's why I pick Hassan Whiteside as my overrated player. Mac, who is your overhyped team that you expect to fall soon this season? Oh, this is a tough one. Do 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 do. I don't want to. The Clippers aren't going to fall. Um. Who do I think is up there right now? Um, Kings aren't even in it anymore. Are the Magic still in it? Yeah, I believe so. I'm going to say the Magic because they really, I mean, they're a young team. They still got a long way to go. They don't really have a superstar yet. I know the East is not as good as the West is, but still, I don't think the Magic have the team to make the playoffs. So I'm going to say the Magic are the most overhyped team this summer. You it's not even a question. I already know what the answer is going to be. <laughs> Ready to give your spiel? See, we just had a big rant about it, and it's the Lakers. Are you done yet? <laughs> yep. How are these Lakers this hyped about? That's what I want to know, first of all. A young team with... The three, the four best players being in the league, only a maximum of three years. And that's only one guy in Brandon Ingram. They projected him to be a star within his fourth year. He's not even close to that path anymore. Lonzo Ball and Kuzma are supposed to be good. They're not even on the projected path they're supposed to be. Will you compare guys like Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball to Kevin Durant and Hall of Famer Jason Kidd, and they aren't producing well? I understand Lonzo's in his second year. 
But Brandon Ingram's being a big disappointment this year. Kuzma's even averaging more points than him, and he even came off the bench. Until he's been recently put in the starting lineup. Okay, you know, I would agree with you if their record were what it is right now without that guy. That guy doesn't do crap with this team. It's just There a, is that there, guy. There, there is, His name's LeBron James. That is just a name. And I understand that, yes, he plays for them, but this team is so overhyped because, for one, he plays for them. That's why they're overhyped. He plays for them. Yes, last year they have a they had a thirty seven to forty five record in the West. They were only like nine games out. Or something and I like think that. that would be the record this year without him. No, it's probably gonna be the record with them this year. I don't I don't get why people think that they're gonna do so fantastic. Like he's over he's already doing the same thing in L A. They is in Cleveland, and that's ignoring coaches' play calls. He's already ignoring Luke Walton's play calls already this year. Like, what does that say? This is like Cleveland all over again. Honestly. The Lakers want a legitimate chance to make the playoffs in the Western Conference. They have to go and trade for Bradley Beal or John Wall or someone that's up for grabs that could help LeBron. That's a second star in the NBA. A team a team like this is not going to get you anywhere. Yes, they have veterans like Chandler, JaVale, Rondo, Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley. Yeah, I get that. But they really don't do much. Except Lonzo's a great... I really like... Not Lonzo Rondo. I really love Rondo. He's one of my favorite players, honestly. He's really, really good. I just don't why I just don't understand why this team is so hyped. They're gonna come crashing soon because in a couple of weeks they not only do they face the Warriors, they have a tough schedule coming over. They face the Kings on that Friday, and then they go back to LA to face the Clippers, and then the Kings come into town. Then they have to travel all the way to MSG to go face the Knicks, then they play the Celtics the next day up in Boston, or something like that. I can't remember the rest of their schedule, but it gets really difficult after Christmas. This first part of the season, yeah, I could see their record being what it is because it's so so light this part of the this part of the season. But then once it starts kicking in, I think they're going to fall flat on their face. All I'm going to say is we're going to put this argument beside us for now. We'll talk about it again when they are over 500 by the end of January. Not even close. Honestly, if you if you look at their at their schedule, it gets really rough because they face the Warriors at least two times in that period, including Christmas. They they face the Celtics once since they're over there in New York. On a, I believe it was a Sunday before New Year's, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, um, but you can talk all you want, but I'm just saying I'm not talking about the Lakers or LeBron until they are uh, above 500. At the end of January. That's all I'm going to say. They're not going to be at that first one. Second of all, if it's in the news, we're talking about it. Because remember, I'm the one that makes the scripts. <laughs> okay. So now um, let's talk. Uh, let's. Uh, yeah, we got a little bit of time left. So we're going to talk some hardware right now. We're going to get the uh, two two of the other awards that aren't, you know, like MVP, uh, most improved rookie of the year, defensive player, all those. So we'll get into. Sixth man and coach of the year. So, Matt, who do you have for your sixth man of the year? Mine's so easy, it's not even, like, the hard to think of, honestly. You go first. I'll go Lou Williams. He's coming off the bench and scoring 26 a game. In Utah? No, in L.A. again. That's one of the reasons why they're so good is because he's coming off the bench and scoring 20s. Uh, the Clippers? Yeah. He's doing so good for that Clippers team, and he got his second – excuse me, his second – Six Man of the Year award last year for the Clippers. 
Again, you, like the, this guy is, is another guy like Jamal Crawford that has been made for the Sixth Man of the Year award. He just comes off the bench and gets buckets. He just knows how to put the ball in the basket, and he knows. Excuse me. He's so smart mentally when it comes to the game of basketball, and that's something I really admire. Being a former, uh, excuse me, being a former basketball player myself, I, I think it's an easy pick for six man. Mac, who do you have for your six man? I got I'm, Lou Williams. I'm going to agree with you on this one, Lou Williams, if he plays for the Clippers, just because the Clippers. I mean, like I said, they don't really have that many superstars, and that is, and he's helping carry them, averaging twenty something points off the bench. You gotta give it to Lou. You just gotta do it. Okay, I I honestly thought you would disagree with me on that one since we've been disagreeing for recently. <laughs> the only thing we really disagree on is the Los Angeles Lackers. Yeah, basically. And that's y- your job to call them that, not mine. Well, they are the Lackers. No, honestly. my job is to be calling them the Wakers. No, the only thing your job is to wake up every day and, and praise LeBron like he's a god. That's your only job. <laughs> <laughs> but who do you have for coach of the year um, so far in the year? Since we're only about 25 games in, who do you have for coach of the year? Okay, coach of the year, I'm going to give to – Hmm, you might have to give it to Nick Nurse for being in his first year, taking Toronto where they are right now. They are the best team in the NBA right now. I really think that if they keep this up, Toronto might have a chance to get into the finals this year. Even losing a DeRozan could help him get there and get into Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi's done very well with his new team. And Nick Nurse being the coach, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on him to fill, fulfill that number one, to keep that number one spot in the Eastern Conference, and I think he's done a good job with it. I agree with you. I'm surprised you didn't say Luke Walton, but I will say that I believe— I, I'm not saying Luke Walton. I mean, I'm only going to say Luke Walton is a bit, not a bad coach, but it's like— LeBron is the coach there, like we've said before. I will not deny that one. So I'm not going to say Luke Walton. I don't think Luke Walton's a bad coach, but I don't think he deserves coach of the year. Put the man in his place in LA. That's what you need to do. But anyway, honestly, you don't give him Nick Nurse. Honestly, first-year coach has been playing phenomenal. or not been playing, but he's been coaching phenomenal for this uh, Raptors team. Had the big major trade in the offseason. Everyone thought that they were going to be a little bit of a disappointment, not perform as well maybe get a lower seed in the east but they've exceeded out uh, exceeded expectations immensely he they've done a phenomenal job in toronto just making a system that works in in toronto making it a system that really works that's efficient that's good offensively and defensively and most importantly gets you wins against good teams i know they lost to denver the other night but Right now, I think that in a seven-game series, Toronto would probably beat Denver pretty handedly. And considering that was a close game anyway, too. It was a good, good game nonetheless. So I'm giving Nick Nurse coach of the year. I'll see how you don't. Ladies and gentlemen, that was enough for us today here on the sixth episode of Ballers Paradise. Mac and I would like to thank you very much for tuning in today for this episode. You can find it everywhere on here on the Anchor app, uh, Google+, Plus, Spotify, Wherever the case is, wherever you listen to, we appreciate you listening. Hope you have a good time. And as always, guys, respect the NBA. Well, I shouldn't respect the NBA, but enjoy the NBA season. I know I am. I hope you do, too. Have a good one, guys.